Welcome to the Data Democratization Podcast. I'm Alexandra Ebert, Mostly AI's Chief Trust Officer. And here with me is Jeffrey Dobin, Duality Technologies Privacy Expert and Lawyer. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Alexandra. Good to be back. We have a very exciting episode coming up today. We have a guest from NVIDIA. And for those of you that aren't familiar, they are pretty famous for their graphics cards and accelerated AI solutions and also their skyrocketing stock price. <laughs> Absolutely. So today I had the opportunity to talk to Jochen Papenbrock, a financial data scientist and financial technology manager at NVIDIA. And NVIDIA is a global leader in AI computing platforms. Jochen, in his work, is helping large enterprises, especially financial institutions, to leverage cutting-edge AI technology, from first ideas to implementation. And he's also actively shaping the AI ecosystem in financial services by participating in public discussions and interdisciplinary projects. Really amazing what he's doing. Sounds like he's got a lot going on, and I am certainly grateful he was able to make the time to speak with us today. So let's go ahead and hear this interview. Let's do that. Hello, Jochen. It's so great to finally have you on the show today. Uh, before we get started, can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Where do you come from and also what's your mission currently at NVIDIA? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you, Alexandra, for having me. Um, before I answer your question, uh, let me highlight that these are my personal opinions here that I reflect and don't necessarily um, reflect the opinions of NVIDIA. For sure, for sure. So where do I come from? I, I'm engaged in AI, building AI models in financial services, basically. And mm -hmm. uh, financial services means banks, insurance companies, asset wealth managers, but also recently the supervisors of financial institutions. So the entire range, because we see a lot of um, adoption of AI models in this area, because um, it's a very data intensive industry. And here in NVIDIA, we work on um, helping our clients to adopt these new technologies, to make best use of them using our computing platform um, to accelerate things, to make things easier, uh, and really to, uh, to go to production environments, because this is mm -hmm. now the time to, yeah, um, not just experiment, but really implement these. And also, by the way, um, another part of the mission is to help customers to use um, trustworthy AI and also to manage the risk of using AI models because there are many benefits, as we all know, using <laughs> AI, but also we have to look at the downsides, at the risks, so we have uh, a safe environment, controlled environment, and um, so we are compliant with AI regulation and governance. Absolutely. I think it's always about doing AI in a responsible way. Um, maybe quickly also to NVIDIA. Many of our listeners will know NVIDIA as this global gaming chips company, but there's so much more to, to NVIDIA. So can you share a little bit about NVIDIA's vision, also the business model behind it, and the role that you have both in the financial services industry, but also in the general AI ecosystem? Absolutely. Yeah, um, NVIDIA is a very special and very interesting company with interesting business model, I think. Um, so many people I talk to 
um, for the first time about NVIDIA still think it is the chip or gaming manufacturer uh, for, for gaming facilities, but it's it still is obviously, but it's much more. So we have seen that um, parallel computing and accelerated computing is, uh, is emerging and you can use these things in, in almost any industry in research and uh, this is what NVIDIA has done. So um, using the idea of parallelism to mm -hmm. process large amount of data in parallel, basically, and to provide a hardware and software infrastructure to, uh, to process large amount of data in a very smart and um, yeah, also flexible way. And this leads us today to a company that uh, is uh, engaged in almost all industries and research uh, ranging from autonomous driving to uh, COVID research, uh, healthcare, right? Um, mm -hmm. Forecasting of weather, um, you know, space travel, all these things. And uh, in financial services uh, also, um, we, we have established um, our, our pipeline for more than 15 years, starting actually with um, Monte Carlo simulation, because mm -hmm. obviously um, high-performance computing platforms are really good at simulating data, um, but also, or not only data, but also processes, um, but also in obviously deep learning because that's matrix multiplication. And this is something that can be, um, is parallel, it's embarrassingly parallel. So we also make use of the computing platform here. Um, and so in the end, we are a company that is really good at visual, visualizing things, virtualizing things uh, to, to create high-performance computing environments and AI. And recently, we also see applications where you combine these things. Yeah? For example, um, you can um, construct or design entire manufacturing plants where you simulate the computers and robots and robots and you train them also and you visualize this entire landscape or let's say you uh, simulate an, a landscape and you train your autonomous car driving around millions of kilometers so mm -hmm. you have really the intersect now between high performance computing visualization and ai that's what we see and by the way we also see this in financial services recently but i think we we are going to talk about uh, simulating data and ai and financial services in this talk later we definitely will this would uh, will actually be one of my next questions since you've seen really countless ai projects in the finance and insurance space so what are currently the top ai use cases for those companies can you share a little bit about that yeah in financial services um Obviously, uh, natural language processing is um, is very dominant because it's like a working horse. So you can use it in many, many environments. Uh, processing uh, unstructured data like text um, is, is a real big um, area. And the use case are manifold, um, using it for risk profiling, for understanding financial markets, for trading, but also for compliance reasons and risk uh, managing reasons. And also, obviously, in banks, we have a problem with fraud still and anti-money mm -hmm. la money laundering. Uh, a lot of um, money is lost um, for the banks, so you want to automate that too. Um, yeah, and we see a lot of optimizations in, in trading space or uh, in, in the IT. So it's really 
use cases we see for increasing the performance, reducing the risk, or making the bank more compliant to things, or serving the customer in a more specific individual way. So these are basically yeah. the use cases. And, and also we see a lot of use cases where the, we have a lot of interaction between employees in the bank using the AI. So it's this human in the loop uh, assisting properties that we see in, in the bank. Um, yeah, but NLP, uh, coming back to your question, is really one of the um, most interesting areas, I think. Yeah, I can imagine. And one thing that I would be curious uh, to get your practitioner view on that, since you mentioned that now is the time to really scale AI and not only experiment with it, but we know that still many enterprises are struggling with doing just that and really scaling AI capabilities. So what's the secret to AI success? Um, the secret, I believe, and it, it's actually not that secret, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, using a number of recipes, a number of tools at the same time. So, I mean, in the end, AI implementation is really a very complex thing to do because you have involved data, technology, business model, legal, um, customers, um, regulators. So it's really very complicated in the end. But we have all these tools that help us and processes. And um, for example, a couple of years ago, it was really hard to uh, to implement such uh, machine learning models. You had some mm -hmm. data engineers first, then some data scientists, and then you needed to take care of deployment. So all these steps are really complicated, and it's a lot of steps, and it's costly steps. And these days, things have become much more easier. So with tools, I mean pieces of software that help you that are available uh, for free for download uh, in the open source community, but also in the NVIDIA um, NGC, that's like a repository, where you can basically get pre-trained models, which are uh, checked, which can be used in transfer learning. Uh, there are deployment tools there. So you can really make your life much easier these days. And we sometimes talk about democratizing AI. So basically, um, you should really focus as a customer on on the business model, on the implementation of this model, and how it how a data driven or AI driven business model or product really works to make it effective, and not care so much about the hardware, the software, the stack, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. right? So making really the life easier to really focus on the important things, and that this is something that the community uh, has done a lot in recent years. Um, to to bring these tools forward, this stack that you need for that. And NVIDIA also had a large contribution here because we, as I mentioned at the beginning, we, um, we see us as a computing platform company and that means there's also a large ecosystem around that. Yeah. Startups, um, software vendors, partners, using our SDKs, our software development kits, which are at the moment one more than 150 actually, and then more than 8,000 startups in the inception program. So, and, and millions of developers actually using these tools. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's an ecosystem that uses those tools, make use of the, the software that's already available and don't start from scratch, but really um, benefit from platform companies like us uh, using mm -hmm. also the open open source tool uh, tools by the community 
So, um, yeah, much easier yeah. these days it has become yeah. for all of us. <laughs> so providing uh, the building blocks and not having to start from the very beginning, I think, yeah. is one point. And with all these SDKs and tools in place, what are the biggest challenges that you currently see or the roadblocks to really make an AI project happen? And what's your advice to the financial services companies that you work with on how they can overcome those? Yeah, so it's great to see that we we are progressing here so well, but also now comes the downside. Um, as we see more and more AI-based models or data-driven models in production, we see also the risk and the problems that emerge. And also many financial institutions recognize that um, maybe this is a little bit tougher and harder and more complex than they originally thought. So we still see a lot of um, models fail in the end. Um, due, partially due to not using the tools that are available and uh, not really knowing about these, but also because AI models are, you know, uh, a beast uh, of them in, in, in their own. Yeah, so they are, they need to be controlled. So they need to be explained. They need to be mm -hmm. transparent, right? So um, we, have, we see a lot of activity here now in the, the past two, three, four years that uh, there are also tools being developed that go beyond the MLOps tools that really help you to um, basically screen and stress test AI models and validate yeah. and explain them. So it is partially something that can be solved with also computational power and smart algorithms, not all of it, obviously. But um, yeah, we see an industry emerging around this. We see... Um, regulation emerging around this. I mean, just look at the uh, UAI regulation draft recently yeah. with, with a big focus on the trustworthy, explainable AI, on transparency, also on tools that help you to um, store your data and model to really have a historical, um, um, or let's say, a repository to really look at what you have done, actually, what the model has done before. And also um, directed uh, this uh, regulation towards experimentation and sandboxing environments, which is also very important because, uh, as I said before, AI models are a beast. They are complex. Yeah. You cannot plan them everything before. So you need uh, partners, you need an ecosystem, and you need this dialogue and you need this learning curve. So it must be an iterative process yeah, basically absolutely. and you need to have this safe experimentation environment but now you actually took like three of my questions away so let us uh, go a little bit uh, back because i really wanted to get your take on explainable ai i know that this topic is dear to your heart but what is explainable ai for you and why should making algorithms explainable be high up on the agenda for every business or uh, engaging with ai yeah it's a little bit of a dilemma Uh, the more complex your model choice is, the less you can understand what the model has learned and if it's still uh, um, working well or if there are strange things going on in your model, especially when you update mm -hmm. your data and parameters. And um, so, so that means um, you need to have um, a loop back into the model somehow. Um, so one way to do this is to use approaches known as explainable AI, or you sometimes you will also find them as interpretable machine learning. So whatever you call them, uh, right, it's, it's just something that helps you to understand your data better. And it's something that helps you understand your model better and also mm -hmm. the change of your model. 
So there are many approaches out there. Some people uh, start um, to incorporate explainability from scratch per design. Other people um, just, first of all, build um, an accurate model and later on take care about uh, explainability issues. So in a post hoc explainability approach, um, and uh, also you can use uh, visualization also to visualize your data and also your model outcomes so a lot of tools and instruments we have to to get a better access to your model so you can still basically benefit from the model um, from a more complex model that finds nonlinear relationships and at the same time um, not lose control and explainability yeah. by the way is not the only one uh, so in a, in a responsible trustworthy ai you look at many more factors obviously like um of course. Of uh, course. unwanted bias right um fairness yeah, fairness is definitely an issue privacy is also an issue uh where we help quite a lot with our synthetic data but coming back to explainability is explainability always possible or which degree of explainability is actually necessary and explainable to whom? These are the questions that we oftentimes hear, especially from some concerned AI practitioners that are afraid that something as powerful as machine learning that's capable of doing things that human brains can't comprehend can't be explained in, in easily human interpretable terms. Yeah, so there are not yet standards and there's not like something as explainable AI solving all the problems. Um, it is another layer of modeling. So sometimes uh, there's this quote by Box around saying that all models are wrong, but some are useful. So mm -hmm. explainable AI is a useful, but in the end uh, model. Um, so in the end, uh, <laughs> you need to interpret the model and you need to know what can go wrong with this model also. Yeah. but. Um, it's just one building block, I guess, of many, and they just help you get uh, some more grip to your model. So that's really important, mm -hmm. right? And um, uh, talking about the audience of uh, explainability, that's a very good point. Uh, so because the audience of AI models is large and diverse. What, what do I mean by that? So it could be the internal data scientists just want un to understand the what the model has learned can can they debug the model or improve the model or is it the uh, the manager of the uh, business line or project or um, or product that uh, has to understand what the model has learned or is it the regulator outside of the bank um, supervisors also obviously and um, or is it the customer that uh, has some right to understand uh, what this machine has decided uh, on top of his head. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's very difficult to find the right language and the right level of abstraction of explainable AI. And I think we are uh, in a very good progress here, but still uh, a lot of research has to be done, right? Um, so I'm really curious to see what, what are the next steps here. So um, um, explainability, also is something that also reduces the model a little bit because you know originally we wanted to employ um, AI artificial intelligence to find connections relationships that uh, human beings maybe are not able or capable of finding mm -hmm. yeah so maybe your model has found something really interesting relevant and then comes the layer of explainability and explains to you what the model has learned and maybe the human being supervising that is not capable of understanding what the model has learned so sometimes we cannot really decide if it's 
uh, let's say um, it's an error or something that the model has learned, or if it's really something that nobody has thought of. Think about this Go example, right? The grandmaster playing Go. At first, he mm -hmm. was like, oh, I will win this game because the computer is doing moves which are really strange, and I think yeah. I will win it. In the end, he just understood um, post hoc that he was just um, about to be beaten by the machine. So they are very unhuman moves sometimes. Yeah. So we have to learn also this, you know, communication and feedback loop back uh, if it really makes sense. So that's the tough thing, I think, really to interact with the model. But yeah. we, we are in a good way. As I said, many tools are being developed, but we have to be very clear on this, that there will not be like a 100% solution. It will always be sort of a, um, a dilemma. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's always a balance that, that you have to strike. I'm also sometimes wondering, there are some AI models which are constantly updating themselves, constantly learning, and how should humans even be able to, to keep up with all of these changes? So potentially we need some AI that understands the explanation of one AI and then maybe audits this or... Yeah, um, yeah, Prob probably you are right. So um, I, I still, I, I believe that we can automate that to a certain extent. An AI check in another AI, right? And, and testing in an AI that at least gives some hints like in fraud detection, you know, um, looking for a lot of fraud cases and then presenting to the human the most obvious ones and the most striking ones so the human can decide in the end, is this really something or not? So it's really like the last um, push on the button is made by some yeah. human. But yeah. the, the model can, this second model, this controlling model or AI approach, it can help co to control things. So I think there's a lot of potential for automation and computing here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. What would you say uh, could be the role of synthetic data in explainable AI? How could it enable or support it? Yeah, it's, um, it's actually, I would, I would count it as one of these techniques for automation and for testing and validating other AI models. It is mm -hmm. actually part of this layer uh, that I was talking about. Um, so synthetic data has the has the properties that you can design it to a certain extent. You can you can um, arrange it in in a way that it maybe stress a third party model. Yeah, you, the, the AI mm -hmm. model can be. Um, has to undergo stress tests with, let's say, strange and, and outlying data to really understand how is the model reacting. Because only in that case, uh, or only by this technique, you can understand what this model is actually doing. Because you cannot look inside the model, but you can test with data, input, yeah. output, right? And also synthetic data, um, as I said before, uh, is uh, has many roles. So the, another important factor is the collaboration in such an ecosystem between, for example, startups and banks. Because um, as I mentioned in the beginning of our talk, um, AI models are complex to build and to maintain. So, um, so it's something where a community has to work together. Experts from techno uh, technology, banks, working together so um, but how should a bank um, really test uh, startups that can help uh, they need to set up like a test environment and you need data for this mm -hmm. so you and need to produce uh, synthetic data for example right so you don't have privacy issues so synthetic data that means is a, is a key component of this um, uh, evaluating AI models, but it's also a key component of collaboration in the ecosystem. So, it, uh, and mm -hmm. my personal belief is that 
um, as we see strong growth of adoption of AI models, we also will see strong adoption of uh, synthetic data at the same yeah. pace, at the same speed. Yeah, I believe that as well, because as you just said, it's on the one hand in the auditing and, and regulation that you really can't only look at the code of a model. You have to have some data to uh, make it visible, how it makes its decision and how it maybe uh, interacts if some strange data points, outliers or unusual examples uh, get fed into the model. And you also want to ensure that those are um for example, not treated unfairly, which brings us to another topic where synthetic data can help with making more fair data sets and, and helping to eliminate bias. And then, of course, you highlighted it, the collaboration and development aspect of AI models, both getting access to data within an organization, but as you mentioned, also sharing it uh, with external parties, startups, uh, vendors, and so on and so forth. Maybe one thing that would be interesting to mention to our readers is the Gaia-X initiative that you were working on in that space in the financial services industry. Can you share a little bit about this project and what the purpose of it is? Sure. Um, basically, what we are doing there in one of these uh, topics or um, work streams is exactly that so we want to build a platform using compute power and um, smart algorithms to help us validate and certify ai models um, mm -hmm. and to do this in a way that is really efficient so we are able to uh, in the end we are able to um to validate models uh, very, very often during the day. So um, you mentioned it, the model updates, the model changes, there could be concept drift in the models. So there's a frequent rebalancing, retraining, and this has to be monitored and supervised. And also there are many parties that, uh, that would participate in this, many startups, many banks, right? So we have mm -hmm. a lot of AI models in the future to be validated during, during a, a business day. So if we are able to design a platform that's really effective doing that, it helps uh, the entire industry and the consumer in the end because we yeah. produce more trustworthy AI and at the same time, uh, there are no, no, no roadblocks basically so the industry can profit from this, right? And um, again, synthetic data is a, is a key um, uh, ingredient here. So in our Gaia-X project called financial AI cluster, we focus exactly on that. It's uh, located in the um, finance and insurance data space of Gaia-X. Mm -hmm. And we already have uh, around 40 to 50 members, uh, larger corporations, startups, tech hubs, and also politics and governments helping us. And also we have feedback by supervisors, which is extremely important, I think. Yeah, Definitely, talking about yes. like sandbox environments. And um, yeah, synthetic data is uh, so um, is, is an important building block uh, among many others. So at the moment, we build around 12 use cases and demonstrators there. And they are all linked and connected because they are basically uh, creating this platform. Uh, because it's like a platform where you uh, test and screen and monitor AI models from very different angles. And um, so synthetic data, for example, is used in our project to uh, to to improve the collaboration between the uh, stakeholders in this project uh, so they can exchange data and they discuss about the same 
complex data, for example, but also we uh, we stress the data. Uh, sorry, the mm -hmm. models. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, introducing synthetic data and seeing in a standardized way how the models react. And third, um, we are able to improve the AI model itself by, you know, removing um, imbalance uh, imbalance data problems. Right. So um, so it's it's an ingredient also in this Gaia X project, and it's called financial AI cluster because. Um, Potentially, it could uh, extend or support an, another project called Financial Big Data Cluster, which is already on the mm -hmm. way. And I'm also engaged in another project where you uh, look at sharing data and using things like uh, secure data sharing and also um, federated learning. Yeah, so these uh, these are very important because here maybe several banks together, they collaborate and sharing data somehow, but not really exposing the original data to each other. Uh, by the way, synthetic data is also could also be a very important building <laughs> block here, right? So, um, so these are the topics that we see at the moment and we try to reflect them in these Gaia-X project and, and to address them actually. Yeah. And this Gaia-X project is, uh, is built on the legacy of um, another project that we were engaged in in the EU Horizon 2020, a project called FinTech. And there we produced several use cases around explainable AI, a trustworthy AI, and uh, using so-called Shapley values, which is one mm -hmm. technique. And we extended this in our GaiaX project to a large data sets. So really you have uh, large data sets that are more realistic to the real ones in banks. Yeah, yeah. And, and there you see uh, it's not possible to, uh, to, to run this on, on the small infrastructure. So whenever you think about algorithms and data, the third component, or at least the third, there are more, is the computing infrastructure that you need to think about. And obviously also a very hot topic at the moment, also in Gaia-X, is the uh, the skills of the data scientists, right? Yeah. So what yeah, skill really set is needed uh, to run all these things, to understand all these things, right? So in the end, you need all these good data, algorithms, platform, and people who can run this and explain this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's for sure. So we have many of our clients are actually in the cloud, uh, quite likely also using some GPUs uh, from from NVIDIA. So uh, accelerated computing and the necessary computing power is definitely a key ingredient in making all of this work. Um, one other thing that would be interesting for me, since you have the chance to talk with so many uh, people from the financial services industry, um, would you say that trustworthy AI and explainable AI is really a high priority topic for them? Did, it, did this change with the proposed new AI regulation in the EU or was it a topic before that already, um, before this regulation was proposed? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, well, to, to be honest, uh, using complex models and risk managing complex models has always been one of the core areas uh, of where banks are competent um, in the past also. And also the regulation and the supervisory practice we see is is quite similar. So um, if there's a bank running um, some credit portfolio and they have a risk and scoring and, and rating model, right? This needs to be discussed obviously and, and checked by the supervisor. So Banks have done this before, you know, running complex models and explaining them. 
now we're entering a new stage because um, data amount is increasing, models getting more complex, and uh, we see more models in very different areas in the bank. So this just intensifies a lot. And this is reflected in this regulation, right? But um, mm -hmm. it, it's not really a surprise to, to many banks, really. Yeah. Uh, We've heard it also with a conversation with prospects in the past few years that regulatory pressure started to increase already a few years ago. But uh, I think you also made a good point that also trust is something that was always super important for banks. And now AI might be a new technology, but ensuring that it's trustworthy and that they can still uphold customer trust, at least from what I hear from conversations with, with banks, is still a topic of, of high priority for them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody talking about uh, the dramatic changes and disruption of the industry. And uh, of course, that's true. Yes, but uh, it still is around the same purpose. It's um, also in the past before we had technology, there was trust in doing financial transactions. And the bank was an, uh, an institution of trust, right? Now the bank gets more digital, uses more algorithms, more data, works more with fintech companies, mm -hmm. you know, using fintech themselves. So it's just very logical that the technology used also must be trustworthy. So all these things are not really surprising. Surprising is the, um, the speed that we travel at and also the, um, the opportunities we have using AI and also, um, yeah, and, and the research that's underway. And it's amazing, really, what people yeah. uh, are very creative around this, the ecosystem again, and um, using the right tools and uh, infrastructure is key. And um, yeah, and the right data, obviously, too, because garbage in, garbage out, right? <laughs> That's always true. Uh, one thing that the listeners of our podcast always love is a good success story. So have you anything that you can share with us where a financial services organization successfully implemented an AI solution or really brought it into production? Sure. Um, so in my day-to-day -day work, I have... Um, always the, the same scenarios so we, we meet banks for example and they they want us to help them uh, on this road to uh, implementing ai so and um, most of the banks or some of the banks are able to implement these things themselves so they have a technology department innovation department they have data scientists programmers so they have the infrastructure and we basically help them to use our computing platform that means hardware plus the software, which is even more important, in, in an appropriate way. So they really make best use out of this and really accelerate stuff. And we are very uh, well known for our records. So there's, for example, ML Perf. It's one of the mm -hmm. official benchmark um, organizations, basically, where you have very practical use cases with large data sets, and we hold most of them uh, in terms of performance. So our banks, our customers that we um, that we uh, that are basically uh, that we are partnering with, they make use of this acceleration, and so we can really help them to accelerate dramatically, especially for example in the NLP space, the fraud detection space, the conversational AI robots, mm -hmm. uh, chatbots, right? Uh, but also recommender systems like the heart of the um, internet uh, or retail economy, right? So um, using uh, accelerated AI for our customers is important, not only because things are faster and real time. I mean, that's obviously yeah. uh, good for conversational AI and fraud detection 
in real time, but also to really save the, um, or let's say make best use of the, um, the time of the data scientists, really save their time. And so they can focus on the, on the model building and not wait for until the model uh, the model is finished or the data is yeah, loaded. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So it's it's, a it's also get data scientists <laughs> nowadays that you really want to make sure that they use their time as efficiently as possible. Right. So it's it's a very scarce resource, and uh, data scientists are really driving this, and and uh, every everybody like data engineers also. So um, really making their lives easier and more accessible. So this is basically our success story: how we help banks so they can run new products, new models that others maybe couldn't before, or they couldn't do this before. But also the the other uh, scenario that we see when I talk to our banking customers is something like, okay, at the moment, maybe we don't have the resources or we don't want to build them up ourselves. So we want uh, cooperation partners. So mm -hmm. in that case, we have a portfolio of several um, uh, hundreds of um, uh, software vendors and startups where we know that they are really expert at certain problem solving stories right for people for fraud detection startups yeah. for synthetic data startups for for this and that so we really try to match them and in the end so the the customer the bank they get a turnkey solution collaborating with some of the startups or the the software vendors so that's the other option that we so it's as easy as that right yeah. make yeah. Uh, make or buy right and in both cases uh, we can help because we not only have this computing platform but also this ecosystem um, with startups and, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. and software vendors so this is how we try to be relevant to our customers in the yeah, end. Yeah I can imagine that you're then a really a valuable business partner for uh, especially these big brands and in one of our earlier conversations you also mentioned that you see that there is this big sharing movement on the way I assume especially for the second type of organization that really wants to collaborate with with vendors and and startups uh, to develop their AI Exactly. Uh, so we have this inception program where we work with the startups and we help them so we don't take equity or something. It's it's more about letting them know about the options we have so they can test our platform, our infrastructure and can build their model on this. They can accelerate their business and then we can help them to go international to meet larger banks and insurance companies. So we really do this matching of solutions, mm -hmm. really. So mm -hmm. this is how we uh, how we are relevant to the um, to the um, entire ecosystem. And as I mentioned, we have these more than eight thousand um, startups in our inception program. Not all of them, obviously, in financial services, but uh, <laughs> but a lot of them. And it's getting more. And it's very interesting that we start so early to work with these uh, tech technology talents because these are yeah. these people are really amazing, and I love. To to work both with the large banks who have these really huge models, huge uh, customer base. This is uh, impressive, yeah. But it's also impressive to see what they are doing in their labs, in the research and development and innovation labs, and also what um, what kind of great ideas startups have and mm -hmm. how they implement this. So we help them obviously to to uh, yeah to fulfill these dreams they have and to realize them. Not all of them make it, but most of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's always the game, but I, I can absolutely imagine that this is uh, an exciting uh, spot to be in, to have the opportunity to see both sides. And then, of course, also sometimes what happens when you actually bring the startup and the company that has the infrastructure and the relevant data uh, together. 
So really, really exciting. Um, before we come to an end of our episode, what will the future bring, uh, in your opinion? What's the future of AI? Uh, how will it change, uh, especially financial services? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, obviously, we are on a good development path at the moment. So this uh, dramatic, almost dramatic uh, development will go on. We will see more models, better utilization of data, more data, also more synthetic data, and um, models being built in a more trustworthy and responsible way. And um, we will also see more and more use cases where we didn't even think about using AI as a helper or supporter. Uh, for example, one of the areas that's really interesting is um, sustainable finance technology. Yeah, mm -hmm. so um, using that for, um, yeah, using data for better investments, because that really could change something also in, in terms of making the planet a little bit safer or less uh, greener, uh, yeah. In, in that Hopefully sense. not less green. <laughs> no, no. Uh, sorry. Uh, obviously, um, uh, trying to understand what is the impact of of certain things in the environment, right? Um, geospatial AI, for example, satellite imagery, uh, all these things, and also to better understand the reporting of companies and the supply chains, really, to mm -hmm. see uh, how are things being produced and backed by data and AI yeah. to check this. Uh, yeah, so we don't have greenwashing that much. And, and also at the same time, and this goes hand in hand to uh, increase efficiency also in building AI models, right? So we need more efficient production of this in terms of energy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also what we see very interesting is that the financial supervisors also tend to use more data and AI in their supervisory mandate and for policy. So um, I think the, um, the entire, we have a good chance now to improve the entire financial uh, ecosystem and landscape, make it more safe, more inclusive, and also cleaner in, in that yeah, sense. More environmentally friendly. What are actually the lowest hanging fruits for making AI more energy efficient? Is it on the hardware level, uh, software level? It's uh, it's both cases. So in terms of hardware, um, especially at NVIDIA, we have some contributions here in this top green 500 supercomputing rankings. We are mm -hmm. very high. Um, today announced also another supercomputer being the greenest in Europe um, and all these things. So on the hardware level, you can do a lot on the software level also. Yeah. Mm. Uh, improving the the uh, conversion of the training so um, you can do that also and doing AI model training more efficiently but also third one option is um, you know running uh, supercomputers and sharing basically the resource and make yeah. sure that the resource is 100% used all the time and that the obviously the energy uh, resources for that are greener so you, obviously you can also work on that so um, maybe a bunch of startups sharing a supercomputer really make better mm -hmm. use of this so there are many approaches to make things more efficient so it's it's yeah, how you yeah. run the model yeah it's on the hardware on the software so um, interesting to see what what will happen here in the next year coming months and years absolutely and yet another argument for organizations to move into the cloud not only for cost efficiency and access to computing power but also for environmental reasons seem to can really ensure that the resources are uh, always used and you not have your server center standing around. 
Yeah, it, it depends on that. Um, their co-location. Also, some people use the hybrid approach. So they, mm -hmm. some banks, right? They make use of uh, on-prem installation. So they have their own cloud environment yeah. Yeah. and run run the base load there. So the so this base is always running. Let's say, and when they need more resources, they the peak they go to the cloud. So buy the base, mm -hmm. rent the peak. So we see these hybrid uh, approaches um, a lot, and also pre-trained models. That's also very interesting aspect so uh, not everybody has to do the same training again right so you do it once on a supercomputer let's say and then people can benefit and take the let's say gpt style nlp model for example for natural language processing and then use transfer learning to adapt yeah. uh, the last mile to their needs so that's another that's more the software yeah. way i guess to yeah, things. absolutely. That that also 100% makes sense. Of course, then it's increasingly important that you make sure that these uh, building block models are actually audited correctly and that you don't have any biases in there and so on and so forth. But if you can ensure all this and you, I think we touched upon many things where um, explainable AI and also fairness are currently researched and more and more implemented, then I think it's really a great way to accelerate AI adoption, but also have things like uh, energy efficiency and environmental impact in mind. Absolutely. Then before we really end, the last question is, what would you say is the future potential for synthetic data? Also, again, especially in financial services, but also in other areas, if something comes to your mind. Yeah, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, we um, in many industries, uh, we simulate data. We have these virtual environments, right, where mm -hmm. you test and simulate AI models, um, you know, like um, like a landscape where you train autonomous cars, for example. And you can do the same in financial services, actually. So creating this large scale testing environment for AI mm -hmm. models use in synthetic data is basically the, the digital twin of the real world uh, that you can use to train and stress and enhance those models. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's really, um, it's really uh, has a good future. Maybe I have to correct my, uh, um, my statement before that synthetic data growth is at the same pace as the AI model adoption. Maybe it's even quicker and faster and getting <laughs> more attention in the future. And, and also... Sure. And also, I mean, we, we are working on that, right? Mostly AI is one of the partners in our Gaia-X mm -hmm. project and among other startups. So collaboratively, we work here on uh, making better use also of the idea of creating data synthetically. Yeah, yeah, we are definitely excited to be part of all these uh, projects that are currently going on and the use cases that are covered in this initiative. Well, Jochen, thank you so much for everything that you shared today and for taking the time. It was, as always, a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, if you have any final remarks uh, for our audience that you want to share, then please do so. My final remark is saying thank you for the opportunity to discuss with you. It was a pleasure and um, I'm excited about the future developments of our industry and also I'm especially excited, obviously, uh, uh, on the new uh, developments that you make at Mostly AI. So I'm really curious to see where your road is going. I think you are on a very good way. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. There are really big things coming up that I can't disclose now, but everybody can stay excited. So we will have big news to share soon. Thank you very much, Jochen. It was a pleasure. Wow, this conversation was definitely inspiring and it's great to hear about high impact projects 
that are accelerating innovation in a good way. And Yoken is certainly one of those people who puts a lot of work into that. Absolutely, he is. I really enjoyed this conversation because talking to Jochen is a bit like traveling to the future since he has such a good understanding of AI trends. Totally. So let's pull together the most important points. Although I would say that this conversation was truly valuable from beginning to end. I think so too. But still, just to recap what we've heard, let's do this. All right. So number one, top AI use cases that he highlighted in financial services include Uh, NLP, which is natural language processing. He talks about this being dominant and you can use it in many environments. Processing unstructured data is also a big area and includes uh, numerous use cases like risk profiling, understanding financial markets, trading, compliance, and even risk management. And he also brought up fraud and AML as important areas in finance as well. Definitely. And the goal of these use cases are to increase performance, reduce risks, and increase compliance, or to offer personalized services. Yeah, and he said something really important that I think um, business leaders and banks and financial institutions should really take to heart. Now is the time to scale AI and not just experiment with it. Definitely. The secret to AI success he also shared with our listeners. And according to Jochen, it's using recipes and tools at the same time. And NVIDIA has a large ecosystem with lots of software vendors and tools making AI implementation much, much easier. AI modeling must be an iterative process and there is a learning curve. So this is also something that Jochen highlighted. Yeah, he mentioned a lot of models fail due to not using tools that are actually readily available. Definitely. And then there are also tools beyond the MLOps toolkit, which are becoming available for screening and also for explainability, because an entire industry and also the regulatory landscape is emerging around explainable AI. And we need explainable AI, not only to interpret us and to help us to better understand the data and the model, but also the changes of the model over time. And Jochen mentioned that responsible AI most certainly also includes fairness and privacy. So there's a whole range of things that need to be considered. Definitely to hot topics here. And, and an interesting thought is the, um, the audience for AI models is obviously large and diverse. And he talks about how data scientists probably want to understand how to improve models. And then managers have their own KPIs. And then regulators expect explainable AI. And then you also have customers who also need to understand the decisions that are impacting them. So it's difficult to find the right language that fits all audiences, but if you can get that right, a lot can be achieved. Definitely, but it's a tricky balance. Uh, next takeaway, we can automate explainability to a certain extent. An AI can check another AI, but uh, in the end, it's a human that makes the decision, or we could also imagine it like in uh, fraud detection where suspicious uh, detections or transactions could be flagged and then a human can take a look not at thousand different AI systems but only those where pre-checking AI flagged something which could really help us to scale this even further and ensure explainability across the AI landscape. And we also talked about synthetic data in the context of explainability which really is one of the techniques for automation and for testing and validating other AI models. Yeah, he shared how synthetic data can be designed for stress testing AI with strange uh, outlier data to really understand how your model is reacting. 
Yeah, I think that's super important. And synthetic data actually has many roles. So collaborations is also something that's very important. And in an ecosystem where you have lots of players, for example, startups and banks, you need to cooperate and you need to share data. And AI models are complex to build and to maintain. So it's something where a community of experts need to work together. And this only works if you can share the data. Yeah, and he also talked about how banks really need to test um, startup vendors. And obviously, to do these POCs and to test these new vendors with cutting-edge technology requires data to test them, right? And banks need to set up a test environment. And he talked about how synthetic data can be great for that purpose um, to really avoid a bunch of the privacy issues and hurdles. Definitely, and just get the data there much faster. Then he also shared that synthetic data really is a key component for evaluating AI models and that it's a key component of collaboration in the ecosystem. Jochen really expects that the synthetic data field will grow as fast or even faster as the AI space. Yeah, and the the Gaia-X initiative is building a platform using computational power and smart algorithms to validate and certify AI algorithms in what they hope is an efficient way. And um, an AI model frequently updates and changes, but there could be this concept drift and there is this frequent uh, rebalancing and retraining that needs to be monitored and supervised. And synthetic data can be a key ingredient in this model supervision. Jochen also shared uh, how synthetic data could be used in this project for actually plenty of things. So one thing was facilitating the collaboration between stakeholders so that they can effectively and quickly and safely share data with each other. Then he also highlighted that synthetic data can have a role in stress testing models and really seeing in a standardized way how a model would react. Then he mentioned that synthetic data can improve AI models also by solving data imbalance problems, really plenty of application areas for synthetic data here. One other thing that I really liked was uh, Jochen highlighting that banks have always been institutions of trust. So it's very logical that the technology that they use must be trustworthy as well. And therefore, it's a priority for them to also build trustworthy AI algorithms and ensure explainability, fairness, and, and privacy protection along the way. Of course. And he talked about the future of AI, bringing more models, better utilization of data, more data in general, more synthetic data, improved trustworthiness, and more and more use cases where we probably didn't see nor expect AI to be utilized. And one example he gave is sustainable finance. Yeah, really like that one. Yeah, sustainable finance is pretty cool. And it's an area where AI will accomplish some great things. He talked about using data for better investments, uh, trying to understand environmental impacts. And then he also mentioned using geospatial data and satellite images to actually fight greenwashing. Yeah, that was exciting. And then he also shared that to make AI more energy efficient, you should look at both the hardware, but also at the software level. And one thing that he mentioned is that pre-trained models really can help you to be more energy efficient. For example, in NLP, using transfer learning and only training the last mile of the model, but not starting from scratch all the time can really help us to save loads of energy. Yeah. And he mentioned in the future, he believes financial institutions will simulate financial environments with synthetic data to really test and enhance these AI models. Very much looking forward to this future. So really insightful things that Jochen shared today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. And I think that a world with AI 
could really actually be safer and more beneficial as long as ethical standards are maintained and enforced. I think so too. So thank you everybody who listened today for tuning in. And if you can give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our uh, episode and to our podcast, this would be a great help and highly appreciated. See you next time. Thank you. See ya.